Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Seven oh my. days until Halloween. Seven days until Halloween. I just told her that and she was like, wait, seven? Seven? That's crazy. Yeah, because today's the fourth. Okay, that means we have seven days to read a book. Oh, well, it's like a book and a third. Wait, we better hurry. We better chop, chop, wait, suey. Go on, go on. Wait, hold on. We're not going to go on the calendar, but it's eight days away. Well. No, seven. T- t- I'm so sorry. Seven days away. Because. It's Monday. Um, yeah. Okay, then let's get on with it. This isn't what it looks like. Book Secret Series by Pseudonymous Bosch, book number four, chapter number 13, an extra, extra long guitar song. Okay, does that mean an extra, extra long chapter? No, okay, good. Page 278. Max Ernest had run all the way up from the hospital, but he walked upstairs to Cass's room as if his feet were dipped in concrete, not even bothering to count the steps. Somewhere in between between the hospital and, and Cass's house... He had begun to lose faith. Perhaps, let me readjust. Perhaps he should be excited that now family had his, had, perhaps he should have been excited now that finally he had possession of the means that, possession of the means that, of reading Cass's mind, but the, but that was the problem. He was afraid he didn't have the means after all. The monocle, which he'd looked through again and again, hadn't helped him see the mind the minds of healthy walking, talking people he'd passed on the street. How could he expect him to look inside the mind of someone in a coma? One clear image he'd seen through the monocle was that, was one that on balance he'd rather not have seen, an image of his his adult self, chocolate addicted, seeming half mad. I wouldn't try hurting, it wouldn't try hurting to talk once, the older Max Ernest had said. The younger Max Ernest assumed that he meant he should try and talk to Cass, but he was walking to her he would wait but he was talking to her supposed to wake her up what what that's that sounded exactly like the sort of superstitious nonsense he couldn't abide by he was embarrassed that his adult self would recommend it the door to Cass's bedroom was wide open but Max Ernest stopped and stood in front for a full minute it took all of his self-control not to turn around and flee the last time Max Ernest had been in her bed was the day that Cass fell into the coma. With the exception of the hospital bed in the middle, and Max Ernest couldn't quite get himself to look at that yet, as much of the room looked exactly the same as it had looked then, only sadder. In the past, Cass's sock monsters with sock monsters, there were now quite a f- ooh, bless you, quite a few of them had always provided a little levity. Cass had never been one to play so much with so much with dolls or stuffed animals, but she used to give it each a sock monster, its own voice and character, and the sock monsters would lecture Max Ernest in the finer points of emergency communications and first aid. Now the monster just sold, stood lifelessly on the shelf. Um, stood lifelessly on the shelf. A, uh, a Greek chorus gone silent. Even Cass's wall of horrors, as her mother called it, was, wasn't as entertaining as it had once been. All the pictures and articles that Cass had clipped and taped above her bed, the, 
The imploding mines and exploding volcanoes, the forest fires and flooded towns were grim reminders of not only disasters and destruction, but the pointy-eared survivalist herself. Given that they had they have to die given that they have to die and despite that the master of the midnight sun would wish everybody has to die sometime most people would prefer to die in home in bed at home surrounded by loved ones yet cass yet cass max ernest reflected morbidly would have preferred as much dramatic demise if not that's really can you stop that um, a much dramatic demise if not a shark attack or an avalanche or at least a collapsed building or a plane crash if she couldn't save her life, or it, could he at least improve her death? Would a real friend make sure that she died in not-so-boring bed, but in some spectacular disaster? Briefly, he considered ways of in, ensuring a more excited end to the story of Cass's life. It was hard to think of what, of one, think of one that wouldn't cause collateral damage. Yet, of friendship with Cass, he had trained Max Ernest to think of two worst-case scenarios. He left Cass on the road. He was likely to cause a mild car collision. The result might be even worse if he left her on a train track. If he threw Cass off a bridge, her body might not even be recovered. He knew from watching television that an uncovered body was never a good thing. If he set Cass's house on fire, the house next door would very likely catch on fire. And, well, where would Cass's mother live afterward? What about natural disasters, earthquakes, hurricanes, killer viruses? You couldn't exactly snap your fingers and make them appear. And even if you could, the rule of unintended consequences was certain to go in full effect. No, there didn't be a way to make Cass's dying any more tolerable. He would just have to try again and bring her back to life, no matter how, long, how the odds. Max Ernest sat down on the corner of the hospital bed and without fully intending to, started talking to Cass out loud. Wait, hospital bed? Because they brought the hospital bed home. Oh. And at great lengths, the way he used to. Hi, I don't know if you can hear me. Actually, I'm pretty sure you can't, but I know people talk to plants and babies and stuff, but it's pretty silly, if you ask me. You may as well just talk to yourself. Anyways, I'm talking to you now because, well, I want to, I guess, and even though it doesn't make any sense, and because, well, you never know, right? Maybe this is what will wake you up. I mean, just to get me to stop talking or something. By the way, speaking of babies, I'm going to have a baby brother. How about that? My parents are being totally weird. And, well, not weird, more like just terrible. And I'm kind of excited anyway. I always wanted a brother just to get my parents off my back. But now they're kind of off my back and I still want a brother. Kind of weird, huh? Why do I keep saying weird? I hate when people use that word. I guess I want to have somebody to talk to and stuff. Not that I not that I don't have you or that you're not going to be around to talk to anymore. Forget that. What I wanted to tell you is no matter what happens to you, I'll always think of you as my friend, my first friend, my best friend, and more than just a friend, not more than a friend, not more than a friend, more than a friend, more like a sister, I guess. Anyways, I keep thinking about all those times you pushed me into the water, even though I can't swim like the midnight sun spa. Remember when we had to get through the moat to save Benjamin Blake and I didn't want to get in the water or the time you pushed me into the ocean after Dr. L's boat? Sure, I might have drowned and you probably would have been arrested for attempted murder. At the time, I really wanted to kill you, but now I think, I think it, I think you actually meant well. It was probably good for me to jump in the water and to have a swim, and to have to swim. Besides the fact the midnight sun would have fed me to the sharks otherwise. I mean, good like I learned a lesson, not to be afraid of the water or whatever. But yeah, no, I'm still afraid of water, and you know what I mean. And there were, and there was like 
that time with the waterfall at the wild world. Anyways, I want you to know that no matter what happens to you, I won't stop doing the kind of stuff you make me do. Even if I wanted to stop, I couldn't because whenever I run away from something, your voice is in my head telling me to turn around and jump in the water. Just like now, when I wanted to run away from here, from you, no offense. Well, that's what I wanted to say, just in case you were worried about me or anything. Okay, I guess it's time for me to try the monocle. And all this talking is just stalling, isn't it? Wiping his tears, Max Ernest took the double monocle out of his pocket and then immediately put it back. Oh, I almost forgot. Yoyoji sent me something to play you, to play for you first. He thought it maybe would activate some part of your brain or something. He says hi, by the way. Max Ernest pulled out the hospital computer, or pulled out his hospital computer, what? Pulled out his laptop computer from his backpack. He opened it next to the bed and cast then clicked a sound file on the desktop. A loud g- guitar chord suddenly issued forth from his computer, followed by an extended riff of Yo-Yoji's unmistakable junior Jimi Hendrix style. Cool, huh? <coughs> and don't, bless you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And don't tell me not to use the word cool. I know I'm using it right this time. (laughs) The guitar solo wound down. Max Ernest closed the computer and put it back in his backpack. At first, he didn't notice the sound persisted after they heard it stopped. Reverberating guitars almost sounded like it had had a lingering echo. But when the music started to grow louder, as he turned around in amazement, Yo-Yoji was standing in the doorway of Cass's room. In his hands was the guitar. Max Ernest remembered so well... The bright, the blue guitar with the bright orange sticker for Yo-Yoji's band, Alien Earache. Between his hair, between his hair, which was now bright green, and his sneakers, which were even brighter yellow, Yo-Yoji looked like he had flown in from another, from some psychedelic alien planet. Most definitely cool. I think we're using the word right, yo. You said Yo-Yoji, grinning. So aren't you going to say hey? Hey, said Max Ernest, managing a small grin back barely i thought you weren't coming home for another month i got my parents to send me back early i'm staying with you duh my mom talked to your mom didn't she tell you max Ernest shook his head i don't know if she remembers anything these days or oh, i don't remember if she knows i exist these days max Ernest shook his head i don't know if she even remembers i exist these days yo yoji plugged his portable amplifier in to the electric socket and played one last deafening loud chord then he leaned his guitar against Cass's wall of horrors his face turned somber as he looked to the scene in front of him. Whoa, it's like a full-on hospital in here. How's she doing? Um, she's doing, said Max Ernest, stammering, unable to finish his sentence. Not good, huh? Max Ernest shook his head. I was supposed to bring her back, he said, voice cracking. It was my job. Yuji took a step towards Cass and then stepped back, visibly shaken. Well, I don't know. Well, I know you're doing your best. I know she knows it too, okay? She doesn't know anything, said Max Ernest, holding his face to his shirt. His face in his shirtless sleeve so Yoyoji wouldn't see him crying. She's in a coma. You don't know for sure. She might be listening to everything we're saying right now. I think and thinking, what a dork you are, said Yoyoji, trying to remain upbeat. Hey, is it supposed to be doing that? Max Ernest looked over at the heart monitor, and though he felt his own heart stopping, the green light had gone flat and the monitor was buzzing loudly. (gasps) A second later, the monitor turned off altogether. And so did the lights in the room and the hallway and only the silver moon passing through the tree outside Cass's window still illuminated the room. Max Ernest and Yoyoji both rushed to Cass's side. Max Ernest felt her wrist. She still has a pulse. There must have been a power surge or something, said Max Ernest quickly. You go down the street and call, 
Go, you go down and see if you can turn the electricity back on. The fuse box is right outside of the kitchen. Call 911 just in case. By the time Max Ernest picked up the cordless phone Melanie had left for him, Yo-Yoji was outside of the room, his hands shaking. Max Ernest started to dial the number and then realized the dial had no tone. Oh my gosh, I wonder if the midnight sun's outside and they're waiting for the adults to leave. <gasps> that was when he felt the hard object sticking cold in his back. Put that down, old chum. I think I cut... I think I cut all the telephone wires, but I'm not taking any chances. Benjamin Blake. Of course it was Benjamin. Max Ernest thought they had discussed turning off the power in the hospital in order to get access to Cass. How much easier to do at Cass's house. Hi, Benjamin, he said, letting the dead phone drop to the floor. He was surprised that he was able to make the sound, make himself sound so calm. That was really a terrible thing to do, you know. What if Cass had been on a respirator or something? Well, luckily for her, she wasn't. Now give me the double monocle. I won't hesitate to use this. Use what? What do you think I have in my hand, dear fellow? If you don't, you don't have a gun. You may not be able to read. I'm, I may not be able to read your mind, but I know that. How can you be sure? Maybe I got it from a mutual friend at New Pomithian. That's a midnight sun um, camp that he went to. The Midnight Sun don't, they don't have guns. They don't need them. You really want to risk it, old chum? Good question. True, he didn't remember ever seeing the Midnight Sun hold a gun, Max Ernest reflected. But they were so ruthless, they wouldn't even hesitate to get one to Benjamin if they thought it would further their aims. How does the monocle work anyways, Max Ernest asked, stalling. I couldn't see into anybody's mind with it. I saw something else. It's the second lens. It gives you second sight. That means something different for everyone, said Benjamin impatiently. Some people see ghosts, some people see people's minds, some people see the future. Depends on who you are and what you need to know. Except you always need to know everything, so I can't begin to imagine what you saw. He sneered. Now give it back to me, it's mine. Is it, is it yours, really? Where did the midnight sun get it? Knowing them, it's been stolen. Not at all. It's one of their oldest treasures. Um... Where, where did we, it's one of those oldest treasures dating back to Lord Pharaoh himself. And I've been, it, I've been entrusted with it, said Benjamin proudly. I think you know Miss Mavius well enough to know that, that we all regret it if it gets lost. Well, Max Ernest considered his options as he caught a glimpse of, the, of blue Yo-Yoji's guitar flashing in the moonlight. Just managed to step out of the way until the guitar came crashing down in Benjamin's head. He turned to see Benjamin slumped to his feet unconscious. A flashlight rolled to the floor. Clearly the flashlight, not a gun. It had been the object sticking in Max Ernest's back. Thanks, Yo-Yo, Max Ernest started to say, but there was, n- but it wasn't Yo-Yoji standing over Benjamin holding the guitar. Cass! It was Cass! Cass! She's awake. Holy mother of God. And now we have to get ready. No. All right. Well, I'm going to get these podcasts posted so people can be freaking out on their way to school. Bye.